Welcome to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. Each week brings a new message that looks to invite you into a new life brought by Jesus Christ. We hope you are inspired and changed by God by the message brought by today's speaker. Mr. David does a wonderful job uh, leading the worship, doesn't he? I was your key to say amen and rock the window. <laughs> he does, he does. Um, I have so much respect for those who can sing because I can't. Um, there was a song that came out uh, several years now ago entitled Shout to the Lord. I don't know if you've heard that song, uh, Shout to the Lord. And I've always said that if I would get up and sing before folks, they wouldn't shout to the Lord. They would cry out to the Lord that I would, that I would uh, be quiet. But I'm so thankful. And it's a joy, a privilege to be with you again uh, this morning. Uh, we, uh, as I begin, I just want to say uh, how much we appreciate and are thankful for, for your warmth and uh, for your acceptance of us. In fact, I, I remarked to someone, I'm not sure who it was, um, that uh, it seems that you, you aren't strangers, uh, but you're friends that we haven't met yet, and uh, we're so thankful for that. I would go as far as to call you family, but you don't know my family, and um, you, would be, you would be saying amen, but... Uh, but uh, we're so thankful to be here again. If you'd open your Bibles to the Old Testament book of Isaiah, <coughs> uh, going to once again, uh, past couple of weeks, I've dealt with passages of Scripture that are quite uh, familiar to us, and that's the, going to be the case again this morning, a familiar passage of Scripture. Uh, what I'm doing, just so that you understand, I'm kind of, uh, looking through uh, some of your Facebook uh, posts and things from Pastor Matt and where you guys have been as far as the messages, because I don't want to do something that he's already done in, in, in recent time. And so I'm doing that. And until that time that I can kind of nail down maybe a series or two uh, for you all, we're, I'm going to probably in the next couple of weeks anyway, continue with uh, messages that deal with passages of scripture that are, that are quite, uh, quite familiar. Uh, all right, Isaiah chapter 6. And uh, we're going to begin reading at verse number 1. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. And if you're able this morning, would you please rise in, in honor of the reading of the word of the Lord this morning. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1, and I'm once again reading from the English Standard Version. You may have something that's a little bit different this morning. Isaiah writes, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, each had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. 
and the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost. I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. He touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. Let's pray together this morning. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your word today. And now, Father, I pray that that you would reach over the sapphire seals of heaven, Father, that you would look down from your throne and that you would once again bless your word. And we know, Father, your scriptures declare that your word will go forth and not return void. And so, Father, we pray today that that would be the case. Lord, I pray that you would hide me behind the cross of Christ so that the messenger would disappear and only your message would uh, would be heard today, Father, that you would take the frail, feeble words of my human mouth and that you would transform them into what each of us needs to hear today. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. You could be seated this morning. As I begin uh, this morning, I would like to ask a question, and, and I do that oftentimes in the midst of messages that I preach. Uh, I, let me ask you a question. You don't have to answer out loud, but, but just think about this for just a moment. And the question is this. When was the last time that you were truly gripped by the greatness or the holiness of God? L let me take it a little bit further for you this morning. When was the last time either you as an individual or corporately as a church body cried out from the depth of your very soul, God, show us, show me your glory? Or perhaps you've echoed the words of, of the prophet Isaiah over in chapter 64 where he said, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains might shake in your presence. Let me, let me take it even a little bit further for you this morning. When was the last time you left a church service and you knew without a shadow of a doubt that God himself showed up in all of his glory and it had absolutely nothing to do with who was standing on the platform. I want to I take this morning to look at holiness. And as we in the Church of the Nazarene know, our, our denomination is founded upon the holiness traditions of John Wesley. In a nutshell, he taught that there was more to this thing we call the Christian life than just salvation, even though that is enough. But there's more. John Wesley taught that God was calling from our salvation to experience a deeper, more committed walk with the Master. And we know that as holiness. Holiness unto the Lord is our watch 
word and song. This thing that we call holiness calls the believer, calls you and me to be set apart. That's what holiness is, to be set apart from the rest of the world. And, and I don't know if you've taken a look at the world right now, but it's okay if I'm set apart from the world right now. In the Old Testament, the word for holy is kadesh, meaning apartness or sacredness. In the New Testament, the Greek word is hagios, meaning holy or the most holy thing. And for us as Christians here in 2022 to get a better view of holiness, we need to have a better vision of the one who is truly pure and holy that is God himself. For years, for years, Christians have tried to make God more manageable. They've tried to make him more manageable. And why is that? You see, it's easier to deal with a big, uh, fluffy, old gentleman who sits on a throne with a long flowing white beard and who sits on the shelf in the home until that moment that we need him and we take him off and he's important until the, the crisis abates and we put him back on the shelf. It's easier to do that than to be faced with the reality that he is an almighty, all-knowing, all-holy God. We live in a world, and I understand where this line of thinking is, and, and, and I don't necessarily disagree with it, but we have gone uh, a little bit too far. The pendulum has swung a little bit too far. We, we talk of the reality that God is a friend. He is, he is someone that we can communicate with just like we communicate with one another. And, and that is true, but there is a, there is a temptation there to, to, to shrink God down to, to less than who he truly is. Yes, Jesus himself said that, that he is a, a person who sticks closer than a brother. He is our friend. He is our comforter. He is our advocate. We can go to him at any moment at the day or night, but he is also the all-knowing, all-holy, sovereign in power, the one who created everything that there ever is, was, or will be just by his word. We've lost some of that in the church, uh, not only of the Nazarene, but in the church of Jesus Christ, uh, especially in the Western world. We, we focus so much on one aspect that we forget that we are dealing with the sovereign of all the universe. When was the last time you spoke anything into existence? I can stand up here and say in ham sandwich, and that's how we say it where I'm from, uh, ham sandwich until the end of the service, but a ham sandwich isn't going to appear. The reality is God is closer to us than a brother. He walks with us through our most difficult days. He is there calling to us in the midst of what we call life. But at the very same time, 
He is the one who is high and lifted up, pure and holy. And we must have a full picture of who he is. He is holiness. His holiness is what makes him God. You see, Isaiah came face to face with a holy God. And this morning, as we journey into this aspect of holiness, we too must come face to face with a goal, with the holy God. And the truly grasp, in the truest sense of the word, God's holiness, we too must become just like Isaiah and seek out this holy God. First of all, this morning, I want you to realize from, from this passage of scripture that we've read that where God's holiness is observed, the Lord is high and exalted. You see, when we truly come into his presence, and not the presence of our far-out view of who we think that he is, God ceases to be a private possession of just a few who live inside some radical spiritual hierarchy or some, uh, some, some crazy bubble that we have devised as human beings or, or one certain denomination or a certain era in history. He becomes bigger than life, more than our feeble human minds can wrap themselves around. This inspires real and spontaneous worship. When we realize and we see, just like Isaiah, when God is truly high and lifted up, it, it causes something within our spirits to, to, to worship him. It maximizes our faith. Christ's words become even more real when he said, nothing is impossible with God. All of this and more happens when the Lord is lifted up. And we do that in our services in the church when we worship him in song. It's not about singing words on a screen or hearing a hearing a wonderful melody. It's about worshiping the one who is high and lifted up. We are not singing for one another. We are singing for him because he is high and lifted up. And because of who he is, it, it causes something within us to worship. And we should be worshipers. Not only, let me say this, not only on Sunday morning from 10.30 to 11.30. Every single thing that we do ought to be in one fashion or another worship for the Lord. When I go out here uh, after church and, and I start the car and it comes to life, it might sound trite, but in a real way, that's God's blessing. God blessed me with the ability to go to work God blessed me with the ability to, uh, to, to do what I needed to do, and he continuously blesses me each and every day. And out of this now, now you're not going to hear, and so you don't have to stick around and gather around my car. And when I go out, to, you know, I'm not going to start the car and say, you know, shout hallelujah 
serve God? You know, my car was a little bit older, and I've been there. And some of you have, you know, you pray really hard. You lay hands uh, upon. I've been there before you start the car. I've been there. But the reality is, when God is truly high and lifted up, it causes something within us. It causes worship to pour out of us. Just like it did for Isaiah. Secondly, this morning, I want you to realize that when we come into God's holy presence, we are humbled. We are humbled. Look at, look at what Isaiah, this one we count as one of the greatest prophets of the Old Testament. He says in verse 5, and I said, this is Isaiah speaking, woe is me. Now, my version says, for I am lost, but I like the, uh, the, the New International, I think it is. I am ruined. I am ruined. I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, and I have seen the Lord. That's humility. I don't know if you realize it or not. We live in a time and an age where a little bit of humility within the human race could go a very, very long way. And when we come into God's holy presence, we truly are put in our correct place. One of the oddities of this passage is that Isaiah dated this passage in the year that King Uzziah died. Uzziah became, I don't know if you realize this, Uzziah became a king when he was 16. How many of you at 16 years old had the, had the knowledge and the ability to rule over an entire nation? Not me neither. He became very, very rich, he became very famous, and he became very powerful, which would become and cause his eventual downfall. Over in 2 Chronicles chapter 26, Uzziah entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the golden altar. That job was for the priest alone to perform. As a result of that, Uzziah was stricken with leprosy and forced to live outside the city. His son Jotham ruled in his stead. In his book, uh, Whatever Became of Holiness, a wonderful book. If you've never read it, uh, I would encourage you to do that. Steve Deneff writes the following. As the prophet Uzziah stood in the temple where Uzziah was cursed, he must have replayed the mental videos of that tragic day and remember the holiness of God is never to be presumed upon. For it was here that God drew a memorable line of distinction between himself and the creature. Isaiah would not have missed the point. Isaiah noted that God was high and lifted up. And he also remembered that King Uzziah, the one who was to be in power, was wasting away outside of the city. God was seen seated on a throne. Uzziah the king had lost his. God was 
hearing the seraphim on a continuous basis calling out to one another, holy, holy, holy. Uzziah himself, whenever he went anywhere, had to shout, unclean, unclean, each time he left his compound. God was glorified by a multitude. Uzziah was awaiting his grave in solitude. Uzziah was humbled. You see, the reality is, as creatures of this planet, when we come into God's holy presence, we are humbled. We recognize and should recognize that we don't deserve anything but to be excluded from God's presence for all of eternity. That's what we deserve. We live in a culture that is seemingly shouting, give me what I deserve. Give me what I deserve. The reality is, for us as human beings, the only thing that you and I really deserve, and this isn't popular preaching, but it's biblical, the only thing that you and I truly deserve is hell itself. That's the only thing that we truly deserve. But God, in his great, unfathomable mercy and love for us, we see the words of John 3.16, For God so loved us that he sent Jesus. But we must not become too proud in our standing because the reality is pride is what uh, turned angels into demons. We come into his presence. We are humbled. We must be humbled. When, when was the last time and I know I ask a lot of questions. When was the last time that you were truly humbled by the holiness of God? When was the last time that you truly got maybe just a glimpse and were truly humbled from him? Thirdly, this morning, I want us to realize that as we come into God's holy presence we are smitten with our sense of sinfulness have you ever washed your clothes and you've taken them out of the washer and you take them and you fold them and then you compare them to other clothes that you have and there's just Something that they're, they're not truly, truly clean. The reality is that when we come into God's holy presence, we are confronted with the reality and the truth that we are broken, wretched sinners. Each and every one of us, we are confronted with our sinfulness. The Isaiah the prophet was himself in, this, in the midst of this wonderful experience that he had. His words, when he saw the Lord lifted up and high and, and being worshipped, what was his response? This is cool. 
I should get a phone and take a picture and put it on the gram or TikTok, you know, or put it on the Facebook. That's not in there. Don't look for that. His response was, woe is me. Woe is me, cried the prophet. I am ruined. Whenever we gaze into God's purity, we begin to feel unworthy and sinful. And spoiler alert, we are. We are. There is a great deal of talk these days about getting the world to see its sin. There have been sermons preached, crusades run, 12-step groups established, and fanatics wearing the signs declaring repent. Nothing wrong with any of that. But genuine repentance is not the product of a mood or a fear or of guilt even, but of true Holy Ghost-inspired remorse of having offended the Holy One. When I truly have, we call it, and I know that I haven't been in the church uh, that long, almost 30 years, but comparatively speaking, but I remember a day when we talked of conviction, and conviction We need conviction. You and I need to be convicted. And now we've replaced conviction with offense. That offends me. And because it offends me, I don't want to deal with it. The reality is that we need to be convicted when we fail to live up to the standards that God has laid out for us. We need conviction. Otherwise, we run the risk of being what uh, my granddad would used to say, we would begin to be too big for our own britches. (laughs) You know some people like that? I've met some people like that. I might even be related to some people like that. They've gotten too big for their britches. In a spiritual sense, we get so enthused and so involved with ourselves that we don't need God. We don't need Him. He's just, a, he's just a side character in the story that we are living. But the reality is we don't see how broken and how sinful we truly are. But when we get a true glimpse of him and his holiness, we realize, just like Isaiah, we are ruined. And that would be a tragic end of the story if it ended there. But it doesn't. Spiritual brokenness cannot be taught. It cannot be given away. It must be discovered one convert at a time. I've been to to many churches and and I've heard something along this lines. Man, uh, you, uh, I remember a time when when the altars of the church were covered in the tears of the people in repentance and now they are covered in the dust of inactivity. The revival the church has longed and prayed for is less dependent upon what we can muster and more on whether we truly discover the holiness of God. Those who have grasped the holiness of God inherit grace and forgiveness. In verses 5 to 7, we see how this unfolds in Isaiah's life. It was after the prophet repented that he was forgiven and not before. It was the very part that he surrendered 
that the angel that flew from the altar with the, with the coal and the tongue purified. One would expect a prophet. Think about this. One would think that a prophet of all people who has confessed to total ruin and unclean lips to feel worse than anyone. The total opposite is true. Not only does he acknowledge his cleansing, he volunteers for service before the day is over. We should remember that once you and I are forgiven of our sins, you and I, are you ready? Are you ready? I don't know if you're ready, but it's coming anyway. Once we're forgiven, we are called to service. We are called into service. There are no sideline Christians. There are no uh, water boy Christians. There are no Christians sitting on the bench watching the professionals uh, in, in the arena. The irony of this whole holiness journey is that we are called by the same vision that humiliated us in the first place. It was the fear of the holiness of God that sent sinful Adam and Eve fleeing from, into hiding, as it does with all. Yet, if we are willing to take a chance to stare down the grim prospects, we are not ruined or ridiculed, but we are, think about it this way, we, God invites us to serve. God invites you and I to be a part of his mission here on earth. He invites us. He wants us. He desires for us. God's holiness must humble before it recruits. The same is true in the life of Isaiah. His sin had to be purified before he heard the word. Whom shall we send and who will go for us? And because of his sense of all that God had done for him in that day, he, like all of us really in this life, should be, I, I almost picture, and, and, and I don't know if it played out this way, but I, I picture Isaiah when he's hearing the Lord uh, saying those words, I can almost see him jumping up and down, waving his hands. Uh, me, me, send me. I want to go. I want to go. That should be all of us. When we realize and take a, take a step back of all that God has forgiven us from, the reality is that if you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, this is as close to hell as you will ever get. We should be, we should be, I mean, not being rude or anything, but we should be shoving people out of the way uh, in order to serve uh, the Lord. But instead, we, we see many times the exact opposite is true. When we truly have a vision of the holiness of God, when we truly rediscover God's holiness, and that was what I titled this message, Rediscovering God's Holiness. When we as individuals and as the church together rediscover, discover anew the holiness of God, yes, we will see him high and lifted up and it will evoke worship uh, 
from us unto him. Not only that, but we will truly see our sinfulness. We will see that we are ruined. We will come to that place of repentance. And, and the reality is, the truth is, the promise is that when we ask for forgiveness, he does forgive us. And he removes our sins uh, from us. And in the midst of that, he goes a step further and invites you and me in the service uh, for him on this planet. You as a Christian, I as a Christian, we are called to be ambassadors, to be the hands and feet of Jesus on a planet, on a, in a city, in a community that is lost, that is broken, that is quite literally dying without Jesus. They need you and me because you have something that God wants to use. You have folks in your life, in your families, in your community that no one else can reach but you. More than anything, the new believer, the dying church, the, the person sitting on the fence and the discouraged person need an unveiled look at the holiness of God. I truly believe in 2022 that the church of the Nazarene specifically, but the church of Jesus Christ corporately needs a brand new, fresh look at the holiness of God. You want revival? Revival will come when we do that. It is not something that is trite and ordinary. It is not something that can be found in a book. There is no special formula or plan to discover God's holiness and solve our problems. Like our biblical forefathers, we need to look, uh, we need to look for lists or sacred places. We need to, to get alone. We need to find a place of solitude and seek out the Lord. And that comes uh, to my last question this morning. Have you seen God lately? Have you been so caught up in his presence that you have, as the King James uh, Version puts it, become undone? A journey into holiness starts with placing your foot on the path that God alone is holy. And being in his presence must drive us to our knees. And if we do that, if we get a, a true uh, picture of the holiness of God, I can't even begin to put into words what it would mean for us personally, but also us corporately as the church. So let me go back to the first question that I asked you this morning. When was the last time that you were truly gripped by the greatness of the holiness of God? When was the last time that you left a church service knowing without a shadow of a doubt God showed up. When was the last time? Could it be that, that we need to once again be like our forefathers? To be like the old saints of the church and truly seek after him? In Jeremiah chapter 29 that I used a couple of weeks ago, the, the scripture is very clear. I will be found by you when you seek me. But when you seek me with all of your heart. We need to do that 
and to get a, a brand new picture, a brand new vision, a brand new infilling of God's holiness to be the people that God truly calls us to be. Would you stand with me, please, this morning? Father, I thank you for these good folks. I pray, Father, that in these moments that you have spoken to them, that you've taken these frail, feeble words of mine and that you've transformed them into the words that, that you would have for us today. Father, I pray that we would be like Isaiah, <clears throat> that we would get a vision of your holiness, that it would cause us to, to, to remember how sinful and wretched we are and that would drive us to a place of, of repentance and confession knowing that you will that you stand ready to forgive us and father that you uh, stand ready to call us into the mission that you have but it begins father by getting a true picture of your holiness and I pray father that each of us individually and as a church would do that in these days. We thank you for who you are and all that you are going to do in the days ahead. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. We hope you were inspired by this week's message. We'd love for you to join us on a Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. We are located at 3924 High Street Northwest in Warren, Ohio. You can also join us on Facebook Live. For more information about our ministries, or if you'd like to contribute to our ministries online, visit us at championnaz.org.